Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Clear Eyes, Full Hearts, a podcast presentation of Cadence 13 in association with Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. This is an episode-by-episode look at the award-winning TV show Friday Night Lights, created by Peter Berg. I'm Stacey Oristano. I played Mindy Collette Riggins. And I'm Derek Phillips, and I played Billy Riggins. Now, the assumption is, of course, that you, our listeners, have already watched the show. But if you haven't already, go watch Friday Night Lights, which is currently streaming on Netflix and Peacock TV, because there will be spoilers in our podcast. And still, as always, we got Mark. That's right, baby. So go check out our brand new website designed by Eleanor Carez, who is at Eleanor Carez on Instagram. Our website is www.cleareyesfullheartspod.com. Once again, that's cleareyesfullheartspod.com. And we're still answering your fan questions. Email us what you want to know at cleareyesfullheartspod at gmail.com today. Season two, episode seven, Pantherama, or as Julie pronounces it, Pantherama. It was written by Bridget Carpenter and directed by David Boyd. The NBC synopsis is... Smash discovers his college football options on the first official day of recruiting, and Matt finds himself drawn to his grandma's new nurse. This is honestly one of my favorite episodes from season two, but before we get into the highlights of what I call Pantherama, we're going to answer a few fan questions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our first two questions come from David Villardo, who wants to know, how come we never learned of Landry's father being in law enforcement, not until the murder incident? And also, did Buddy Garrity get the world's fastest divorce ever? Uh, Stacey, you want to take that? This isn't law. This isn't like contractual. But I think we just haven't learned of Landry's father being in law enforcement because Landry wasn't necessarily a fleshed out character in season one. I don't know if the writers knew yet who his family was. And that's something, I mean, just in general on television and film that people kind of have to learn is that sometimes stuff is isn't completely and totally set in stone when you first start the project. I don't think George Lucas would have had Prince Leia and Luke kiss in the first episode of Star Wars, A New Hope, if he would have known that he was going to make a brother and sister and the Empire Strikes Back. So that's for you Star Wars nerds out there. But yeah, I mean, some of that stuff just isn't fleshed out beforehand. It's an organic process and it's constantly changing and it's constantly growing. I don't think the first time that the writers put Stacy and I together, that they were like, hey, they're going to be married in season three. Absolutely I don't not. think that that was in their mind, but... No, we hated each other. Yeah, we were kind of like the antithesis. But yeah, it kind of worked out perfectly. 
these two people that can't stand each other get married. Oh, and the second question, did Buddy Garrity get the fastest divorce ever? Technically, from the time that Buddy Garrity gets caught cheating with Angela in season one, nine months have gone by. It may even be nine or 10 months by the time he gets divorced because he doesn't get divorced until later in the season two. So, I mean, nine months is kind of plenty of time to get a divorce done. I also don't necessarily know that we know that Buddy's divorced. We know they're separated. Well, we know that she remarries or that she's going to remarry at the end of season two. You know. I don't know. I know this happens. And if you're going to get remarried, yes, you have to be divorced. Hope that answers your questions. I hope that answers your questions. We're just guessing and throwing spaghetti at the wall. So uh, stay with us. Second question comes from Lori Macy, and it's also a two-parter. She says, love the pod. Thank you for giving me a reason to look forward to Tuesdays. Aw, thanks. As a Texan and as a coach's wife, I connect with the show on so many levels and aspire to be Tammy. Of course, disclaimer, I'm not at all trying to make some grand statement about gender and equitable treatment or anything like that, but I can't help but wonder. Imagine an FNL in which the Taylor clan had a son, not a daughter. What if Julie Taylor was born Justin Taylor, Dylan Panther hopeful? How do you think the course of the show would have changed? Interesting. They're making mm-hmm. us work with these questions today. That's a great question, but it's also, man, it changes the whole fundamental dynamic of this show. I think kind of what makes this show so perfect is Coach is this very manly man who's surrounded by men every single day at the workplace. But when he goes home, he's surrounded by women. And so there's that female energy. Any man that I know who has nothing but daughters, it's very different. Their home life is very different. So I grew up in a house of all boys. Oh, God. You know what I mean? I have three brothers, plus my dad and my poor mother. Like, she just got to a point where it was like, I know you're not going to put the toilet seat down. Can you try? try to just hit like the rim. Oh God. Can you try to hit the rim? And I felt terrible for her as I've gotten older, especially. There's a lot of things I didn't learn too because I didn't have sisters. So I think it's probably ruined a lot of relationships. But yeah, I mean, it fundamentally changes you. I think that most guys I know that have sisters are a little bit more sensitive to women. They understand women a lot better than I think a guy like me who was raised with all boys does. I'm like this Neanderthal a lot of times when it comes to it. So yeah, I mean, that would have totally changed the whole fundamental dynamic of the show. Then also being a guy who played sports my whole entire life, I think it would be really interesting if he had a son because that's a whole different dynamic. I mean, the coach's kid was almost always like one of the better athletes on the team. Always. Yeah, because he's just surrounded by this guy who knows the sport backwards and forward. It's like being a teacher's kid. The teacher's kid almost always had to be the better kid. He had to be conduct-wise the kid who's not getting in trouble in school. What if the boy also decided he wanted to be a ballet dancer instead? of a football player. That's a totally different dynamic. Right. So many new shows. I don't know, but I do love what you're saying before. I love this coach and I love this coach as a quote unquote father of daughters. Even in this episode, we see that he does with Smash, we'll talk about later, how he becomes a father figure to so many of these boys. And I think a lot of that is he doesn't have a son, so he wants to give those words of advice to someone. That's an interesting thing that Stacy just said, like, what if he wanted to be a ballet dancer? Like, in my own life, I don't have a little brother that wanted to be a ballet dancer, but my little brother was a musician, is a musician. When I was growing up, my older brother played football. My dad played football. I played football. My little brother, Ryan, played football. My little brother, Ryan, actually went to college to play football. And then my littlest brother, Carter, played one year of Pop Warner football and was like, I hate this. And all of us were just like, what do you mean? You're Phillips. Get out there. Yeah. But he loved chess and he loved playing guitar. And he actually went to Berklee School of Music for guitar. And he's like this brilliant guitar player, but never had any kind of interest in sports to the chagrin of all of us. You know what I mean? It was like, who is this kid? And why is he so different than all of us? That would 
would be a really fun thing to explore. Coach has this kid who's just into the arts or just isn't really into football at all. That's definitely an interesting topic to explore because I think I think it's natural for all of us to want our kids or siblings to be a lot like us. You know, we try to find those similarities. That's also what makes life so interesting and so great. I mean, my little brother's got these talents that I can't imagine. I'm not musically inclined at all. So to me, it's just really cool that he's got this amazing skill set that no one else in my family has at all. Right. Where did that come from? My mom's side of the family played instruments. My stepmom plays piano and and her whole family plays some form of musical instruments. So yeah, I think that came from there. And I guess, yeah, my little brother Ryan plays drums. My older brother and I don't have any of that. Oh, there's a bonus part to this question that is Julie still Julie, but her, oh, her new sibling is a boy. Does Coach Taylor still leave for TMU. Oh God, let's just say in the sake of equality, yes, he makes the same decisions and whether he had a baby girl or a baby boy. I'm just putting that out there in the universe. I think he would have left to TMU regardless. I hope so. But that does bring up a different set of scenarios. I mean, we already dealt with the fact that Tammy's maybe focusing a little bit more on Gracie Bell and not enough on Julie. And there's a little bit of jealousy that Julie mm-hmm. has. And that's natural in any sibling situation. But now if we put the onus on it or, or change it up and it's a boy, and then there's more emphasis on coach now has the football player he always wanted kind of thing, then that could kind of change things up a little bit for Julie too. It's like, you don't even care about me because now you have now what you've you're always your wanted. Child. Yeah. You've got the boy that you've always wanted. And we know that that's not what coach wanted. I think coach and Tammy being the people they are just wanted a happy, healthy baby. But yeah, those are all kinds of fun curveballs to play with. It changes the whole fundamental dynamic of the show. It changes everything. And see, the conversation that Stacy and I were just having about this, I got to imagine, guys, and I know from talking to other writers, this is the kind of stuff that happens in a writer's room. Mm-hmm. They have these conversations. It's not just willy-nilly that they just went, oh, yeah, Gracie Bell's a girl. There was a conversation that all these writers had, and they said, okay, they're having a baby. Is it a boy or is it a girl? And I guarantee you they had these same conversations that we're having yeah. right now. And I think in their mind, it was just... Almost a poor coach. He's surrounded by women. He'll he'll never get the football player that he wanted. To me, it's more interesting that this very manly guy is just... Surrounded by women. Yeah. All right. On to our next question. Our, Our final question here comes from Lauren Taylor, who says, I'm thinking of taking a trip to Austin this summer. What are some of the Friday Night Lights places you recommend visiting? She said, I've seen the location of the characters' houses online. And this is in parentheses. And as someone who used to live in Tree Hill, I know to be extremely courteous when checking out private residences. She says, but I would love to know other fun locations that might not be on there as much that you recommend. I mean, obviously, Panther Lion Field is right across the street from the Austin Bergstrom Airport in Del Valle, Del Valle. I never really knew how to pronounce that. Is it still there? Yeah, it's there. Nan Bernstein, who's our line producer on the show, who listens to the podcast and will be on the show soon, sent me a picture the other day of a couple of the people that worked on the show. Joey Hudgens. Do you remember Joey Hudgens, Stace? And they had sent a picture to Nan of them outside the field house, which is faded. It just sits there, though? It sits there and like that used to be that bright blue paint on the outside and it's faded to like a powder blue now. That and makes me sad. Yeah, weeds have kind of taken over the field. It's Yeah, it's sad, but it's there. You know, you can go see it. And a lot of people may not know this, but like Panther field was that beautiful artificial turf and everything with the stadium and blah blah and had stadium seating and they built that and the back side of panther field was actually where the lion field was which was just an open empty field that they went and mowed down and threw a couple bleachers up in front of the back part of the stands for panther field was meant to look like the outside of the school for east dillon so yeah i mean it was a shared space. The other half of the Panthers locker room, the field house, was technically the interior of East Dillon High. 
So if you walk through it, it'd be like blue, 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 blue. And then you open a door and it's like red, 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 red. I learned so much from talking to your dad. Well, you knew this stuff. I wasn't at the high school ever though. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, and this wasn't even at the high school. This The high school is actually separate from where we shot the football stuff. Another place that we used to love going to that really isn't necessarily part of Friday Night Lights. I don't think it was ever in the show. It was a Mexican no. restaurant called Guero's in South Congress. We were there probably twice a week. Me and Annie and Taylor and Connie and Stacy yeah. and pretty much the whole entire Friday Night Lights cast. That's a staple. You have to go there. Stacy, you remember we did our two-stepping at the Broken Spoke. Derek and I took dance lessons with Taylor and Annie. We all take dance lessons at Broken Spoke <laughs> before we shot there. We shot a couple of things there. We did. We shot where Tim gets beat up outside the bar. That was at the Broken Spoke. In season three, when Mindy, Tim, Tyra, and I are all two-stepping together, that was also at the Broken Spoke. And that'd be a fun place to go. It's just got a lot of character. Very fun. It's a really cool bar. The Alamo Freeze, which was technically a Dairy Queen, is at 5900 Manor Road. But it's also been renovated since the show aired. So I don't know that it's going to look exactly like it did when we were shooting it. But you can at least go in there and be like, okay, cool. This is where the Alamo Freeze was. There's also Sam's Barbecue, which was used as a backdrop to a lot of scenes where Vince Howard's storyline took place. And it's an actual barbecue stand in the east side of Austin. And it's got amazing barbecue. And of course, if you're feeling a little feisty... Uh, mm -hmm. You can always check out the landing strip. Or if you just want a fajita buffet. That's true. How were the fajitas at the landing strip, Stace? I never had them because we had Crafty with us when we were shooting there. That's something that I always found really interesting about Texas gentlemen's clubs. Because I don't mm -hmm. think that this exists. I mean, maybe it does. What do I know? I haven't traveled the world of gentlemen's clubs. But yeah, we used to call it legs and eggs. Yeah. Because you'd go in there, you'd go look at some ladies, and then, you know, have some breakfast tacos. I thought that was just a thing. I think it's a Texas thing. Oh. I don't think it's anywhere else. I mean, there are strip clubs in other parts of the country that have food, but it's not like I'm going to go in there and get some breakfast, get some legs and eggs on the way to work. Sure. We definitely didn't have that in Miami. I don't think they serve food in strip clubs. Thanks for coming to our strip club podcast. Maybe we should get into the rewatch. Are you done with the strip clubs? All right, moving on. It seems it's recruiting time. This is confusing for me because it sort of always seems like it's recruiting time, but now yes. it seems very serious. Yes. They're allowed to send you letters. Coaches in different colleges can send you letters, but then there's an official day where they're actually allowed to reach out and talk to you. A day? Well, not a day. No, I mean, a point in time where they're now allowed to reach out to you. And I think there's a window there. They're allowed to contact you and call you and, and blah, 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 until National Signing Day, I believe is how it works. Although a lot of things have changed recently after that Supreme Court ruling that I told yeah. you about, Stacey. This is a real thing where they're finally allowed to call and recruiters are chomping at the bit to get these stud athletes. And so calling is one thing, but am I right in saying if any of the kids are going to meet with a recruiter or a college coach wants it to go through him? Stacey, I'm not positive about that. Unfortunately, I was not a big enough high school athlete to answer that question. I don't believe they have to go through the coach, though. I just know he got mad at Smash for going to lunch with the guy. He got mad at Smash because it looked like the guy was about to pay for his lunch, which is okay. very much illegal back in the day through the NCAA. And I can't speak to whether or not it is now, but I'm still okay. assuming schools can't pay for anything. Boosters can pay for stuff nowadays. That's why Mama Smash comes to him later in the episode, because she's like, mm -hmm. I'm not equipped to handle this. He told me he doesn't want me involved and he doesn't have a father, so take care of it. But yeah, technically... 
they can't be paying the kids for anything. They can't buy them a meal. They can't do any of that stuff. That's very much illegal. And coach kind of was keeping an eye on Smash, saw that that was going on and very quickly nipped it in the bud. So there's all kinds of rules that go along with like recruiting high school athletes. And it does kind of make me a little angry because I'm a University of Miami fan that even though they don't call the school University of Miami, they call it Miami South. They're implying that there's some shady stuff that happens in Miami. I take personal offense to that Friday Night Lights. Calm down. Also, maybe don't calm down because I'm about to call you out. You're just going to flaunt this new love in front of your heartbroken brother in his place of residence. Also, oh, dear God, you opened the fridge. It sounds to me like you're very jealous here, Stacey. I care about temperatures. Mm-hmm. It sounds to me like you're pretty jealous. <laughs> yes. You know what's funny? I barely remember this scene watching it. Like, I know you've said, I don't remember this scene. And I was like, I remember every scene. And then I watched this and I was like, I don't really nope. remember this scene. And then when I watched it, I was like, dude, Billy is such a jackass. He's a bit of a jerk. How are you going to do that in front of your brother? But also her, too. And I'm sorry, I always forget the character's name. Jackie. Neighbor Lady Jackie. I think she handled it a little better than I did. But yeah, we did open the fridge. And in hindsight, this might have been the scene where we had to clear out. I can't remember if that happened in the first season or in the second season. But I do know at some point they cleaned the fridge out. And so you could open the fridge. They got a new fridge too, right? They might have. You guys, what we're talking about is, we've talked about it before, but the fridge (sighs) at the Riggins house, if you opened it, it was toxic. You had to leave the residence and then come back in and work. Yeah, it was very gross. Yeah, so I think I may have opened the fridge. And the reason I say that is because if you notice, I've got like the most back sweat you've ever seen in your whole entire life in this scene. And I know that wardrobe didn't spray me down. That's my own hard-earned back sweat. That's Derek juice. It's also, you know, it's Texas. It's probably early October, so it's still probably about 105 degrees outside. So the reason I think this is the one where I open the fridge is because I remember when I opened the fridge on the show, they had to stop shooting and we all had to go outside for about 10 minutes uh, to air the place out. Usually, we would literally be transported from base camp, which we've talked about. They'd take us right into set, which is a home. And the home was air conditioned. So you'd walk in, you'd be in cool air in your trailer, and then you're in cool air when you get in the van ride over, and then you're in cool air when you get into the house. So I can only naturally assume that that back sweat was coming from the fact that I was standing outside. Sure, sure, sure. We'll go with that. But yeah, Billy is a total jerk in this. Yeah, and also thanks, because now he's coming to my house. Yeah, you're welcome. Poor Timmy's homeless, and it's all my fault. It is your fault. I know. I feel terrible. Now I know why everyone hates Billy Riggins. I get it. I get it. Yeah, you hate him a little bit now, too. I'm watching it with fresh eyes. I was always having to justify his actions. You know what I mean? Because I was playing (laughs) the guy. Now I don't have to. Now I can sit there as an audience (laughs) member going, this guy's a real piece of work. No, you're right. Yeah, that's bad. What a jerk. (laughs) Okay, you guys, Austin Nichols comes to join our cast as Noah or Mr. B. I first learned and knew of Austin Nichols from a show called John from Cincinnati that was just so strange. And I think I was, was one of like five people who watched it. But if you were to look up the definition of boyish charm, I think it would be a picture of Austin Nichols. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And he's just a nice dude all the way around. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of interesting little guest stars in this episode and a lot of characters that are introduced that'll be popping up moving forward. One of them in particular, totally <laughs> forgot about this. I forgot too. Todd McMullen, which to you guys may not mean anything, but the recruiter from Miami South is our first camera operator and future DP and director of a couple of episodes. And Stacey, who directed this episode? Oh, um, David Boyd. David Boyd, the director of photography on Friday Night Lights from the very beginning. And what's he doing? I mean, I don't know that this is technically nepotism because they're not related, 
but he's just handing out jobs to his camera operators. You think Todd auditioned for that? No. no. Meanwhile, there's actors all over Texas starving to death. Unbelievable. But it was really cool to see Todd McMullen in there. I totally forgot that Todd Again, was in there. a really good actor. Yeah, he was good in it. He was great in that scene. We're going to have Todd on at some point as well. Todd and his wife, Heather, because Todd was the first mm -hmm. camera operator. His wife was the second camera operator on the show. And she also went on to run the Texas Film Commission for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. And Todd has directed and been the DP on numerous projects since then. And we'll mm -hmm. have him on at some point in time. Another person in this quick little scene with Smash and Todd McMullen, we meet Noel Davenport for the first time. And for those of you asking, yes, that is Academy of Country Music Award winner for new female artist in 2013, actress Jana Kramer. And before she blew up on the country scene, this was what she was doing. She was just, you know, hooking up with Smash and trying to navigate his career. She also happens to be a ridiculously nice person. Jen is great. Yeah. So, I mean, Stacey, we've talked before about how much musical talent there is on this show. And I totally forgot about Jana when we were talking about that. 100%. Who may be the biggest musical talent that we have on the show. Absolutely. Landry, Landry. He's still being so sweet to Tyra, even after she was so mean to him. And he's telling her the things that happened with the dad. And I, so I guess we learned that essentially they just burnt the car and left it there. Yeah. At the end of the day, I'm just glad to see them talking because hmm. I hated the way things ended with them. I know because I've seen the show what's going to happen, but you know, you can watch something and know how it's going to end and still hope for stuff. Every time I watch Romeo and Juliet, I still hope that they're going to make it out in the end. And I know that they're not going to. They're not. Spoiler alert, 500 years after the fact. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. But yeah, I'm just glad that these two are talking again. It was sweet. I love the two of them together. She was so mean to him. Yeah, you just want there to be some kind of resolution. Meanwhile, this scene with Santiago and Tammy in the guidance counselor's office, this whole episode with Santiago, there's just some beautiful moments there where we start to learn a little bit more about Santiago's background and his past and what's going on with him. We find out that Santiago's parents were deported and that his uncle hasn't been home for like the last 10 or 11 months. And it's really just a beautifully acted scene by both Connie Britton and Benny Sierra Miello. Connie in particular does just such a wonderful job in scenes like this, showing that empathy. She just listens. When she's in one of those scenes with these kids and she's in tune and she's really making eye contact and listening to them, you just imagine it's like, man, I wish I had this guidance counselor when I was in high school. I wish I had a person like that to talk to when I was a kid. Also, just Tammy in and of herself is the one that always digs a little deeper into these kids' lives. Yeah. Like, they just wanted to play football, and she wants to find out, like, are you okay, actually? Yeah. And then finds out the things about his life. I don't remember having a guidance counselor that was anything like that when I was in high school. No, ours just told us, like, how to apply for schools. Yeah, me too. And they were also terrible at that, at least when I went to school. I walked in, and she goes, oh, let me see real quick. Let me look at your grades. She goes, have you thought about community college? Oh, no. I'm like, not that that's an insult. Everybody should go wherever they want to, but I had good grades. Why are you going to tell me, like, why are you pushing community college on me? I had a 3.5 in high school. You guys can tell from listening to this podcast how smart I am. Uh-huh. You kidding me? That's what all of the emails that people send us say. Yeah, all the emails. It's like mostly mm -hmm. not questions. It's mostly just comments on how mm -hmm. smart I am. I'm kidding, guys. But yeah. I was insulted. How dare you? I worked really hard to get these grades. And you're, well, actually, I was so smart. I didn't have to work all that hard to get the grades. That's how smart I am. I'm kidding. <laughs> I agree, though. I don't know of anyone that went to one with a problem. We all had like our favorite teacher mm -hmm. that we could talk to about stuff, but it wouldn't be a guidance counselor. I wonder if in a smaller town, though, or a smaller high school, that might be the case. Well, it's not have... a small high school, though. It's a huge high school, even though it's in a small town. 
This is a 5A school. Uh, also, we had like five guidance counselors and there's only one there. So woof. I got to tell you guys, Delva went down to Georgia really is my jam. I don't remember this scene with you, Tyra and Tim. Did you improv the Devil went down to Georgia line? I don't think I improv Devil went down to Georgia. I think that was written. I don't know about the dancing in a thong and chaps was written. I think yeah. they said double and down to Georgia. It's though. just a fun scene. I love you guys together. Also, was it scripted that you had your feet up on Tim or did you guys just come up with that? It was not. Saying? So David Boyd and I and Taylor had a talk right before we were shooting this scene. And this is where like, we figured out that he and I had known each other basically our whole lives. And as much as I get mad at you, like he and I have always had a respect for each other because we kind of understand each other. So we were just yeah. like, yeah, we're super comfortable with each other. And at that minute, I just threw my feet up on his legs and David was like, yeah, like that. And also at the same point, it gave Tyra enough of an impetus to be like, "Mm -mm, nope. See, this is what's so fun about a show like this too, is that you guys kind of got to decide that on the day. Like at the start of this scene, we don't know what their relationship is. I think this is the first time you ever have a scene with him, right? Yeah. That's what's so fun about a show like this. You go, okay, so we've probably known each other forever, right? And then you guys decided right then and there, you, David Boyd and Taylor, that you guys get along. Mm -hmm. That played throughout the whole entire rest of the show. You always got along with Tim. Yeah, we understand each other even when other people don't. Yeah, there was a always. bond there that you guys had. And it was almost a, a motherly thing in some respects, you know? Mm -hmm. I never walked on set and had a director say, okay, you're going to be sitting here and on this line, you're going to stand up. That yeah. never happened. It was always, where do you guys want to start? And I'd be like, uh, I think I'm going to sit here. And mm -hmm. I'd say to props, uh, do we have a magazine? I think I want a magazine in this scene. I want to flip through a magazine or whatever. There was one episode that we did where like I'm eating chips and I'm like, can we get me a bowl of chips? I want it to look like kind of like the Godfather. You know what I mean? When I'm like sitting here eating something because I'm talking to these minions. You know what I mean? Oh, boy. I'll point that moment out later because that happens in season three. You had a couple of um, Brando moments on this show. Yeah. If you're going to steal, steal from the best, right? I agree. Mine was more like it was an homage to the Godfather, but also, you know, I didn't have a cat. The bowl of chips was basically my cat in the scene. When Brandel's suddenly stroking the cat. Be a man! I wish you guys could see his face right now. You're getting the real backstory into a Derek Phillips process, guys. <laughs> I remember watching her do it, and I am still enamored with the way that Adrian Palicki says, TikTok, yes. and then just walks away. It's Oh, good. It's so good. I love Tyra in this episode. We're going to talk about that later in this episode, too, because there's just some great moments that she has. But all you guys together in this scene. It's a fun crew. The four of them are really fun. Yeah, it just works. I love, too, that Tim, like, goes, yeah, that's a good costume, though. I'll, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> like, that was improv. That's got to be improv. 100%. <laughs> and he keeps a straight face with it. And it's like, oh, yeah, Tim Riggins, the exotic dancer, costume designer. And we were having a scintillating conversation, yes. obviously, right? When yes. having As you sip down the crappiest beer in Texas. Yep. <laughs> like it's a fine wine. <laughs> I mean, welcome to the Colette house. I got, I got to talk about it. I love that stuff about this show because that's exactly what's going on here. It's like these two intellectuals philosophizing about the mm -hmm. finer aspects of exotic dancing and chaps versus G-strings. I, I don't know. And it's some like, girls stealing my song. Yeah, unbelievable. Unbelievable. But it is. It's like a women's knitting circle and you two are sipping down a, a, a fine Merlot as mm -hmm. you're having this conversation. 
but it just happens to be whatever crappy beer we had in Texas. Prop near beer, which tastes like (laughs) gutter water. Okay, so Buddy has a moment of scintillating clarity, as he calls it. And that moment is that Santiago is going to move in with him. At that moment, I was just thinking this man being Buddy Garrity literally has no line when it comes to his team. Like nothing's ever too far. He never crosses a line. It's never enough. But then also at the same point, I feel like he's a little lonely at home and he could use a buddy. Buddy could use a buddy. Look at what you did there. Say, <laughs> I, I think you're correct. It's probably a combination of both. And we've said this before on the show that the majority of the characters in this town have a tendency to do the wrong thing for the right reason. I actually think the opposite when it comes to Buddy Garrity. He is constantly doing the right thing, but for the wrong reason. So like in this particular instance, it's like he's he's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be able to get this kid. He's a good football player. He's getting this kid because he wants the kid to be on the football team. And then in hindsight, he's going to realize that he's actually doing a good thing, too. Hmm. But also, yeah, I think maybe there is a part of Buddy that just needs a buddy. Yeah. You know, also sometimes Buddy Garrity just does the wrong thing to do the wrong thing, period. I don't think there's a lot of like thinking about he has an idea and then he does it. Yeah. Yeah. There's not a lot of parsing out things in that sense. Yeah, that's probably why he's been, up until this point, successful in his life. I'm going to go with my gut. My gut's telling me to do this. I have to tell you, I enjoy Bossy, Tyra, and Lila together. I do, too. I'm loving this whole dynamic with the two of them, and I just really am loving Palicki in this episode. This is another one, too, where we have known through season one and season two, Adrian Palicki is an incredible dramatic actress, but that sometimes they give her a little bit of levity and some light things to do. She's also really funny. Yeah really funny in real life and has arguably the greatest laugh on the planet. It's so from her soul and it's so honest and it makes everybody else laugh when she does it because it's such a good moment. Brad Leland and I used to talk about that. He goes, man, she has got an amazing laugh. And I said, yeah. from the inside. And he goes, when you make her laugh, He's like, it feels like you, you've accomplished something. <laughs> Absolutely. Something I that. completely agree. I love hanging around with Pilicky for multiple reasons, but that's one of them too, because I feel like I can make her laugh. She, for whatever reason, happens to think I'm pretty funny. I know, that's weird. You shut your mouth, Stacey. I happen to be a very funny person. It's genuine with her. I would like to know how a Columbia grad and bona fide journalist ends up in Dillon, Texas. Yeah, I would like to know that too. But unfortunately, I don't think we're ever going to find out because of this truncated season. We've talked about it before, but this season obviously ended short because of a writer's strike. I'm not blaming the writers. It was a good thing for the writers, and I'm glad that the writers got what they deserved. they needed to. But I know that the writers originally had more planned for Austin's character when they brought him down here, but the story just kind of disappears because of this shortened season. Unfortunately, because I thought he was a good addition to the show. And he's a good dude. Unfortunate. 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 Also, not so unfortunate, because I think it was he did go into book a series regular that he couldn't come back with us in season three. So good on you, Austin. You guys have to realize that that happens as well. So it's not just simply that the writers just stop writing for a character. These characters are recurring roles. They're not necessarily on contract at that point in time. They may only be booked out for three episodes in that season, and the writers have plans to do something huge with them in the next season. But then that person gets another job, and all of a sudden, that storyline just kind of goes by the wayside. So it's not really the writer's fault, and it's not bad writing. It's just sometimes that happens. Life gets in the way. Yeah. The well-laid plans of mice and men often turn awry, Stacey. We have yet to make it through a podcast where you haven't said that. I know, I just like the saying, and I think I always butchered it. I just wrote down while I was writing this, God, I love Liz Michael 
like 10 exclamation points. Gosh, she makes my heart happy. Also, I have never heard Smash talk to his mom like that before. Yeah. Where'd that come from? I love anytime these two are on screen together, especially when there's some, when they're going after each other. But this, yeah, it's a great scene with Liz and Gaius, two of them arguing about how Smash is going to handle his recruiting. Anytime the two of them are together, it just means it's going to be a great scene. They always raise the stakes and it's always fun to watch. I gotta say, that's my sis. The gears are always turning. <laughs> She did it with the homecoming party with you. Now she's doing it with these boys to see what they can do to make everything good. She's like an entrepreneur, if you will. She like sees things and makes them happen. Yeah. And maybe a full Monty is what we need at Fontarama. <laughs> I love it. It's a great scene. I love the way she plays it. I love the way that she handles all these boys. It's fun. It's fun to watch Palicki in this. I'm going to talk about it more later on, but yeah. It seems to me that Tammy is a bit suspicious of Julie with Mr. B, and uh, so am I. I'm going to say it's definitely bordering on inappropriate. Closed doors with a child is not a good look. I know even when I was in college, I had professors that, like, you'd walk into their office, and if the door closed, they'd be like, ah, keep that door open. Yeah, they have to have the door open. We had that in college. But yeah, especially on a high school level. Even if he's not doing anything, I'd be like, just for your own safety, keep that door open, because... God forbid somebody accuses you of something. You don't want to mess around with that. Yeah, so her mama instincts are up and so are mine. I feel like I saw the moment when everything goes a little topsy-turvy for Matt and Carlotta. And I think the exact moment is when she said, put your hands on my hips. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yep. It's over. Well, I'm going to speak from experience here, Stacey, and tell you that's roughly where things go uh, topsy-turvy in my relationships, too. Is when you say, put your hands on my hips? No, I meant when they say, put my hand. <laughs> what? what are you talking about? Either way, just hands on hips. Anytime anyone says, put your hands on my hips, something good's going to happen, maybe, or bad. So many not good ideas in our show, but I'm not mad at this Buddy Santiago situation. It's starting to seem like they might be good for each other. Yeah, I'm always happy, as we've discussed, when Friday Night Lights puts opposites together. But Tammy has some reason to be worried about Buddy Garrity in this situation. But there's a part of me that goes, you know what? These two lost souls kind of need each other right now. Yeah. Like they both sort of have what the other one needs a little bit, maybe. Or is FNL setting me up to get my heart broken? I'm always prepared for that as well. (laughs) But right now I like it. I'm not going to tell you. I don't know. I think, yeah, Buddy's lost his whole family. And I think even though Buddy can be selfish and a jerk and everything else, I think he's kind of at that point in his life where he needs to care about somebody else. And there is me in my bra again. You're welcome, guys. And the beginning of the love that we will all know as Guy Raston, who you'll meet in a minute, begins. Yeah, I feel for Tim in this situation. I really do because of what I did. I'm like, come on, Billy. Like, he wouldn't be in this situation if it weren't for you, jerk. But you, Dana, Taylor, and Annie play so well off of each other. It's hard not to laugh a little bit when I watch you guys in this scene. It just cracks me up. The dynamic that all you guys have together. It really was so easy. Dana goes, hey, Tim, would you like some eggs? And she's like, no. Get him out of my house. <laughs> All of that just fit. It's amazing looking back at it. It really yeah, is good. It is. You guys just play so well off each other. I mean, I don't want to add myself to this mix, but I always loved when it was me, you, Dana, Taylor, Annie, and we got to have scenes together. We've talked yeah. about it before where it was like we just could not keep a straight face because all of us were just 
farting around the whole time. We were the troublemakers. Yeah, those were some of my favorite days on yeah. set when all of us were together. And Dana's so good. She plays that kind of ditzy, like aloof thing so well. And it's so funny because she's so intelligent in real life. Almost as smart as me. She is almost as smart as you. I think she got a 3.4 in high school, Derek. Actually, she went to like an Ivy League school, if I'm not mistaken, she did. didn't she? Yeah, she's <laughs> way smarter than me. <laughs> I think I said that to Connie one time. Connie went to like Cornell or something like that. And I was like, Connie, I went to Baylor University. She's like, what is that? What is that? You remember who her roommate is, right? Who her college roommate yeah. was? Amy Klobuchar? No, Kirsten Gillibrand. Gillibrand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine that dorm room, the two of them and the talks they would have in college? My God. Yeah. And I think it was Cornell. I'm going to have to check back on that. I think it was Vanderbilt. You might be right. Ooh, guys, who's smarter, me or Derek? You'll find out on the next uh, episode. Boy. Oh, boy. I did want to talk real quick about this scene with Liz and Kyle where she says, I'm not asking you to be the boy's daddy. I'm just here to remind you he doesn't have one. When I heard that line, it was like, boom, right to the chest. What a great line. And once again, what a great scene with these two. Always. With these this two. is what I was talking about before with our guest question. This is one of those times when I think that line that hit you that way hit coach the same way. And he's like, yeah, you're right. I am their coach and I'm hard on the field, but I also want to teach them how to be the men they want to grow up to be. And yeah, in that moment, we can see that that's who this guy is for these kids. God, yeah. The weight of the world on that man's shoulders. Yeah. Such a good scene. So we've already talked a little bit about how much we're just enjoying Tyra in this episode. And I just have to say, I think the writers have really started to hit their stride with Tyra, specifically yeah. in this episode. This is the Tyra character that I love. And this is what I love about Annie Palicki in these types of roles. She's tough. She's powerful. She's charming as hell. I mean, Annie just hits it out of the friggin' park. Mm -hmm. You can see how she went on to have the career that she's had by playing these powerful female characters. And her scenes are just really fun to watch in this episode. I just, I find myself giggling. I know I say this ad nauseum when I'm singing the praises of this show, but our writers did such a good job of saying, okay, I see who this actor is and I'm going to write accordingly. When you look at the arc that Tyra's character has had, and it's not that she's changed. She's still the same person that she fundamentally was in that first episode. But when you see the multiple layers of who she is, because in that first episode, she steals, smashes hamburger and is all sexy. And that's about it. And then now you see this other side of her, this entrepreneurial spirit, this powerful chick who's got her head screwed on straight and is just in control. Yeah, she commands a room. And then got that charm that just innately comes from a person like Annie. And it's like lightning in a bottle. Love it. Gold. Golden. I love it. This Matt Carlotta kiss to me came out of absolutely nowhere. That was a lot. Yes. I remember going, wow, Matt Saracen is quite the ladies' man. Right? Because he has that other girl. Hey, juggling all kinds of gals right now. This scene that Kyle has with Smash, to me, is part of why this guy has the Emmy that he does. I don't just want this podcast to be us sitting here being like, oh, that actor's so great. That actor's so great. But you guys, Kyle Chandler in this scene is so good. As you said, that's the reason this guy won an Emmy. I'm telling you guys, I know I've said it before, but there's a skill set here because it all just looks so simple. That's the thing. It looks so easy. I mean, I respected Kyle for sure when we were working together. But being his age now and watching these scenes and going, you know, if you were going to get cast in something today, Derek, you could potentially be in a scene like this or playing a character like this. And you're age appropriate now for that. There's just a naturalness that he has and a stillness that he brings to it. Makes it look easy. It's like when you go see ballet and you're like, oh, yeah, I could do that. Making it look easy is the hardest part, I think, of yeah. what we do. Everything he does is sincere. If it's a funny, flirty moment or if he's angry or like everything just comes from a place of sincerity. Like watching it is electric. Oh, and Stacy, by the way, we were both wrong. Connie Britton went to Dartmouth. Oh, well, we're both fired. Okay, shout out time, Joey! 
This last scene here with Tim, the guy who answers the door, the guy who we all know is Guy Raston now, the ferret guy, the meth guy. <laughs> he goes by a variety of different names on the show from people who know the character. This guy's name is Joey Oglesby. Joey Oglesby went to Baylor University with me. He was a sophomore when I was a junior. And Joey and I quickly became friends. And after I graduated from Baylor, I moved to New York. I was living in New York. And about a year later, I got a phone call from Joey. And he was like, hey, man, do you by chance have an extra room in your place? And so Joey went and moved in with me. Joey and I were roommates in New York for two years. He's one of my best friends on the planet. And then lived in the same building in LA too. Like Yeah. Together yeah. for a while. For a while. Joey had been on the show already once before. If you remember correctly, in the first season of the show, he plays a gas station attendant who I don't think is supposed to be Guy Raston at all. In my head, it is. We've watched the <laughs> yeah. fall of Guy Raston, and it's all the ferret's fault. <laughs> yeah, so this was just really cool for me because the guidance counselor, Steve Walters, was my current roommate. Mm-hmm. And then Joey Oglesby gets on the show, who's one of my best friends on the planet and former roommate. And Joey and Steve and I all ran a theater company together in Dallas called Second Thought Theater, along with a woman named Allison Tolman, who a lot of you guys might recognize from the TV show Fargo. She's in everything. Multi-talented actress who's won the Critics' Choice Award, been nominated for Emmys. But all of us ran a theater company together. And that was how I met all of you. What's the show that she just did? Why Women Kill? Why Women Kill, Gaslit. She's done a ton of stuff. Look her up. But yeah, so Joey and I were roommates. Joey and I then lived together in New York. And then when Joey moved out to LA, Joey and I lived next door to each other for Mm -hmm. six years. One of my best friends on the planet. And so, yeah, this was just for me personally. It was like Stacy was on the show who I knew from Dallas and had not worked with, but was very familiar with her work Mm -hmm. and was friends with her father already before we even started working. And then Joey gets on the show and has this major recurring role. And then my buddy Steve's on the show and he's got a major recurring role. And Steve's now also the guy who came to Stacy and I and started this podcast. It's a so. bit of an embarrassment of riches if you think about it. Like when would that ever happen again? No, it was so fun. It was so fun. I mean, just to think when we were in college together, we're going to be on a network TV show together. It just never would have entered my mind. It was fun for me because all you guys who I'd become friends with over the course of this year, Taylor and Annie and everybody else, like they welcomed all these guys in with open arms. And so all of us were friends and hung out all the time when all of us were living in L.A. And now everyone's kind of gone from L.A. And I'm like the last man standing in L.A. (laughs) Goodbye. Yeah. (laughs) I got to tell you, Santiago saying this is the first real bed I ever had got me in my heart. Yeah, it was a knife in the gut. I said before in this episode, I really love this Santiago storyline in this episode. I love Santiago's whole storyline throughout the show. It just, it still upsets me. He's one of the few characters on this show, Waverly being another one, that the character's storyline just kind of ends very abruptly. And I was like, man, I want to see more of those characters. I agree. There's also something progressive about his storyline. Like if I saw this today on TV, it wouldn't be, but what was this, 14 years ago? It's a progressive storyline to write. And talking about very topical stuff, not Mm -hmm. getting political necessarily, but talking about his parents Uh being deported. And it's like, this is very much happening. Friday Night Lights will bring up something that's happening in the news. It's a political thing. It's something that's very divisive politically, but they bring it up and they try to show both sides of the argument, not tell you what to think, not tell you what to believe, but Mm -hmm. just kind of present it. And I think that that's something we we see through Santiago. It's a lot to take in. As I said before, I'm just sad that we didn't get to see more of his storyline. It frustrates me because I know that there's a lot of things in the second season that people didn't love. But man, Santiago's storyline definitely isn't one of them to me. I I loved his storyline. Anyway, guys, that, I think, is the end of our episode. 
that's it for season two, episode seven. But join us next time for episode eight with special guest Joey Oglesby. Oh, <gasps> who plays Tim's eccentric roommate, meth dealer, and ferret fella, Guy Raston. But until then, clear eyes, full hearts, cameras. Clear Eyes, Full Hearts is a podcast presentation of Cadence 13 in association with Black Barrel Media and Ritual Productions. Executive producers are Stacey Oristano and Derek Phillips, Chris and Mandy Wimmer for Black Barrel Media, and Steve Walters for Ritual Productions. Our producer is Miranda Parham. Send your questions to clearEyesFullHeartsPod at gmail.com. Find us on social media. I'm Stacey Oristano on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at Derek Phillips on Twitter and underscore Derek Phillips on Instagram. And check out our websites, ClearEyesFullHeartsPod.com, Cadence13.com, and BlackBarrelMedia.com. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next week.